there's a book that came out called The Journey of Trees, I think it's called, where someone says, like, a tree is a place, yeah. essentially. Mm-hmm. And um, it's especially after the past, like, three years, you know, like, having something like that that's, like, on a much different time scale than your own can be really grounding. You just heard from James Moy, a GIS specialist at Trees Atlanta. In this episode, we talk with James and his colleague Angela about how they use GIS to conserve and replenish the tree population in the ever-developing city of Atlanta, Georgia. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Field Notes podcast. Today, Maya and I are very excited to be recording with Angela McTighg and James Moy, who both work for Trees Atlanta, an organization that protects and improves Atlanta's urban forests by planting, conserving, and educating. Angela and James, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Happy to be here. Definitely. So I think one, also thank you for having us in your office space. We are in person at Trees Atlanta. Um, Must make that known because I feel like from up till this point, we've only been recording virtually and this is our first time talking in person. We're really excited about that. Kind of a big step for us, which is really exciting. Um, so I think maybe to to kick off the conversation, could both of you just talk a little bit more about what Trees Atlanta is and what the focus is of the organization? Yeah, and I, first I gotta say, you did a great job with the mission statement. Um, it takes a lot of our employees a long time to memorize that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's totally wasn't scripted. <laughs> um, so that's really the crux of it. I mean, in the past couple of decades, we've really grown a lot. So we're somewhere around 50 or 60 full-time year-round employees now who are doing all those things. Planting trees Mm -hmm. is a huge part of our mission, what we've been doing since 1985. But we also have a team that does invasive removal in our green spaces and focuses on the actual like health and composition of the forests. And we also have a team that's pure focus is visiting classrooms and holding summer camps and doing um, workshops and speaker series for adults just to kind of raise awareness about the different things that are going on in our urban canopy. I guess to focus on you two for a second, could you talk about what your role is at Trees Atlanta and what projects you guys both work on? Yeah, so I uh, I work in the neighborhoods department, so we do the community plantings and neighborhoods, um, and I specifically work with like the front yard tree planting program. That's what I do during the week, and then I help out with the large volunteer projects that we have on the weekends as well. And I'm the data manager. Um, I've been in this role for about a year, but I started off actually also on the neighborhoods team. But now my role is managing our GIS systems, which we, of course, use ArcGIS for um, with its myriad mobile apps. And then I also manage our Salesforce database with all our volunteer and donor information, and then kind of the other random applications that tie into those as well. And I guess maybe we can pivot a little bit to focusing on trees for a second and the importance of trees in Atlanta. Um, and I kind of want to preface this with uh, an article that I read on the Trees Atlanta site. Um, it was titled, uh, Georgia Leads the Way in Urban Tree Loss. And I think in that article, it talks about how Georgia is losing more trees than any other state. Um, and can you maybe use that as context to talk about why trees are important to Georgia, maybe Atlanta more specifically? And then um, what are the things that are impacting or threatening um, the population of trees in the, in the city? Yeah, um, I mean, trees are Atlanta. Like the the kind of sprawl that you see in Atlanta that's typical of other cities, if you see LA, like a lot of cities that kind of do this, they have a lot of satellite neighborhoods, Mm -hmm. that tends to lead to a lot of deforestation. The difference between Atlanta and LA is that we have a natural tree canopy that at one point extended, not just throughout all of Atlanta, but basically from Florida all the way to Maine. Just there's this kind of 
adage people would say that before the age of colonization, a squirrel could run from Florida to Maine without ever touching the ground, basically. Um, so we have a lot more potential for tree loss because we have a lot more trees. So that's definitely part of the issue. But the um, for all the things that you see about you know these invasive species that we're dealing with and these like really large scale developments and a lot of uh, um, gentrification that you see in the southern part of the city, especially, mm -hmm. really the biggest threat to our trees and the number one cause of canopy loss here in Atlanta is single family redevelopment, which you see mostly on the northern part of the city, actually, where there's really big lots and quite large houses that are right now getting major renovations done. And so they're just expanding to the maximum developable degree of their parcel and removing a lot of trees as a result. So that's that's the Atlanta-specific story, but there's a lot of other things going on there, too. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, not amazing to hear that trees are being lost, but like <laughs> yeah. amazing to hear kind of about the history. I had no idea that the tree canopy or like the existence of or the population of trees kind of extended that much um, in the past. So I think that kind of hearing that really puts into place like how much we're, we're losing and maybe the impact of that that might really have. Right. And it's really easy to see like a lot of this like development and like all of these new things, especially like the Beltline being built up and all the neighboring, you know, businesses and, and homes and residential communities. But at the same time, there's like this whole, you know, vital part of our community that mm. is, is oftentimes being lost, which is the trees and, and other species as well. Yeah, um, totally. And it's it's like there's a tree protection ordinance that we're working on. Another part of our organization is advocating for better you know tree protection and better policy around trees. And so that's part of the answer, we think, is, you know, kind of beefing up that ordinance so that it's a little bit harder to just willy nilly remove trees. But um, definitely educating people about the, the benefits of trees is really important, too. Like they do so much for us. We've been co-evolving with them for millennia. So, I mean, beyond just the obvious, like, shade, right. which feels good in the summer, especially here in Atlanta, yeah. as we know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that translates to lower energy bills and uh, stormwater retention, soil erosion control like, through the leaves. They um, create, obviously, ha wonderful habitat for wildlife and also habitat for humans. There's just, you know, it could go on and on. And I guess one of those answers... Um, Angela is, is part of the work that you do with the Front Yard Tree Program, right? Could you talk a little bit about what that program is? Yeah, so the Front Yard Tree Program is a free program that we provide to homeowners in Atlanta and um, other municipalities, so like Sandy Springs, Decatur, uh, as well as <laughs> a bunch of others. But um, basically, we are able to plant free trees in people's front yards, which is a much like nicer place for a tree to be. Um, because we are uh, losing all these all this tree canopy on these single family lots to plant trees where they're not on these single family lots is great and the trees are happier in like a, a large yard where they can grow tall versus like in a skinny like right-of-way space mm -hmm. where the roots mm -hmm. don't have much space definitely how do people go about requesting those trees yeah, so we take a, um, the actual request part is done through Salesforce and a Google form so that we can actually like record their, the information in a more secure way, like the homeowner's personal information. Um, and then the supervisor of the program uh, fields those requests and communicates with the owners about what kind of, you know, goals they have for the yard and, you know, their space and what kind of species they might like based on our availability. 
And then once he's kind of nailed down those details, he drops a point in a specific layer that we use for all of our planted trees mm -hmm. sites. And um, by filling out certain fields of that layer, it makes it available on mobile apps like Field Maps for Angela's team to view. So they can actually just open up Field Maps on any given day and see theoretically like where there are front yard trees ready to plant and look at the inventory and take a tree. And when they get to that address, there's also like a photo attached to that point so that they can even see exactly where the homeowner wants a tree. Speaking of field maps, you kind of mentioned or talked about what uh, they see with, on their phone. Could you talk about the, I guess the process of developing um, that use case or the process of kind of developing the use of the map in field maps? And then also, what do you see on the back end side or how do you use that data um, after you get it? Yeah, so um, it's, I think we've been using, well, we, before field maps, we were using Collector. Mm -hmm. And originally, you know, that was just so that we would have the GPS point of the tree and then be able to, after it's been planted, archive it in our plant inventory, which right now contains somewhere around 90,000 of the 150,000 trees that we planted. So Whoa. it's kind of an ongoing process <laughs> of retroactively adding them and making sure we capture everything. Um, so originally it was just kind of like a record keeping thing, but now we've been able adding more fields and my predecessor who figured out how to attach images to those points has made it a lot more about kind of making the the like planting team's job a little bit easier because I can say having been on the planting team that there's plenty of days where like you show up and the homeowner was supposed to put a flag there and it's not there mm -hmm. or you call them and they don't pick up um, so I think that yeah. is a huge part yeah and I guess more specifically like with our workflow so like the homeowner reaches out makes the request for the tree like that's all done through the front yard tree supervisor supervisor puts the point in and then we basically just like drive up to the house and everything else like we're able to get from the field maps app. So like the homeowner sends a photo of like exactly where they want the tree, which is super helpful because like, <laughs> like you need to know like where that tree is right. going to yeah. go. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know, maybe I'll put it over here. But um, yeah, some homeowners are like more specific than others. And then yeah, it has like the species and we're able to like make any notes in there about like maybe the homeowner or yeah. the, the tree itself. There's yeah. like a growth space field too, which is helpful. Our, our mm -hmm. database isn't like quite research grade right now, but occasionally we'll have somebody who will want to do some analysis for us about what helps a tree succeed. And so being able to record that this tree is in someone's front lawn as opposed to a one foot sidewalk strip mm -hmm. gives us a lot of helpful information for mm -hmm. how we coordinate future plantings. Do you give homeowners a list of like the specific species they can choose from? And if so, is there like a favorite that you see that um, homeowners like to like to select? Yeah, so there is a specific list and it depends on the different cities mm -hmm. and like Atlanta, we're able to plant a more diverse species than right. others. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I haven't like really, from what I can tell, found a favorite. Okay. Um, I don't know, people really like tulip poplars because they get nice and big. Um, they're very recognizable. But also, a lot of people like our, our small trees, like the red buds and the dogwoods as well. Okay, cool. So after you plant the trees, is that like your work is done and it's up to the owner to just like monitor its growth? Do you keep track of any of that or like kind of monitor like the growth of any of those trees? Or is it basically like you plant it, you're done, moving on to the next one? 
Yeah, so with the front yard tree program, it is, like once we plant the tree, it is the homeowner's responsibility to take care of the tree. Um, and we give them like a, a PDF of plant care instructions. And then oftentimes if the tree dies in a year or two, the homeowner will reach out to us and we'll like go out and replant that tree for them. Um, but with our street trees and like our project trees, we maintain those for two years after we plant them. Got it. So for the street trees, do you use mobile apps to track those as well? Big, yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big time. <laughs> and I guess in your use of, of mobile apps, and um, this can span across collector and, and field maps, have you gained new insights about, I guess, where trees are, or where people ask for trees or species, or any new insights you kind of gain from using these apps in your work? Yeah, yeah. So um, as far as the front yard trees go, you know, we see... Like, at least earlier on, we saw a clear trend of, you know, people who had more access to sort of Trees Atlanta's, like, whole brand and were more familiar with us, you know, like, the northeastern side of the town was requesting them a lot higher rate. But I think that just since I've been here, it seems like that's evened out. But um, kind of more generally from, like, the data that um, people are collecting when they're taking care of those street trees, you know, since we're having somebody visit those trees for up to two years, we can actually have pretty decent mortality data on those, so um, we're able to see that, you know, certain species, especially those dogwoods and redbuds that Angel talked about, people would love, these understory flowering trees are really pretty, um, definitely die at a much higher rate than some of our other trees, like our oaks are really bomb-proof, um, but so there's like understory trees that get planted a lot in the sidewalk because they don't grow as tall, so they don't get in the power lines, mm -hmm. that they also need a lot more maintenance, and some of them are, especially with the kind of hotter summers and kind of like irregular rain patterns we're seeing, some of them just aren't tenable as street trees anymore. Definitely. And I think I heard you say earlier that the number of trees y'all have planted is like over 100,000? 150,000 as of like a year or two ago, yeah. That's really incredible. So I'm, I'm imagining it's very volunteer focused with what, what y'all do, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, until, until just five or so years ago, I would say like, 95% of our trees were planted by volunteers. Um, but now that, you know, we've got the front yard tree program, that's a little bit more like needs a mm -hmm. more kind of directed touch. So there's more employees planting trees now. But yeah, volunteers are the lifeblood of Trees Atlanta. Definitely. And have you found that the use of, of GIS and like mobile GIS has, has helped you better engage with the community in that way or made the process like more efficient when kind of working with volunteers for this work? Yeah, at, at least as far as, you know, being able to, like, in a snap, print out a map and right. hand that to our volunteers the morning of, because sometimes we have projects with, like, 100 volunteers. Yeah, and the projects are, like, really spread out, so, yeah. like, you're sending volunteers to a street that a staff person isn't at. It's helpful for that volunteer to have a map so that they can go and, like, find the trees. It's also really helpful, I mean, outside of just the planting, you know, we're able to engage people in other ways. Um, we have, we have the layer with our planned tr like tree locations and our inventory layer, but we also have these other kind of projects, like our, we have this kind of cute one called Love Letters to Trees, which we is based on Survey123, and anyone can submit a photo and the location of a tree that's really important to them and write why. So we have that map on our website. Um, we also work with um, a community member to track Atlanta's champion trees, mm -hmm. which are the largest specimen of each species that we can find within like a certain like point value that we assign based on how tall and wide and um, their trunk is and then how wide their canopy is. And that is 
we would not be able to do that without using Survey123, being able to collaborate, view this map with these like experienced tree measurers who can go out there and verify, you know. Right. And that's, you know, it, it, that currently doesn't offer the trees any like legal protections, but it is a really helpful tool just for kind of like raising awareness about. And I imagine too, just like gathering all this data kind of helps with more of the, the you know, getting those tree ordinances up and running and just like any amount of like data that you can collect to back up kind of like what you're trying to 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 enact is probably helpful. Yeah, you know, it's it's definitely I imagine it's a challenge for the people who are on the front lines because it's not just I won't we can't take all the credit for the advocacy around the tree protection ordinance. There's a ton of different citizen groups mm-hmm. that are interested in that. And there's so much data from tree removals that are being done by arborist companies to, you know, mm-hmm. our data is mostly just concerning small things, you know, things with the stem the size of your arm, but, you know, tree removal is happening at all different sizes. Um, but, you know, what we're able to show through canopy data that we've been able to acquire through the help of um, university like Georgia Tech mm-hmm. is where the, that removal is happening the fastest. One thing I like to ask guests is about experiences that have surprised them or maybe like their favorite um, experience on a project. And I was wondering if there is an experience that comes to mind with like the, the front yard tree program or just in general working with the data that kind of has been memorable for you. The, uh, you know, it's, it's yeah. I, I miss the field because the data isn't as interesting as <laughs> yeah. getting to see somebody come out and be like, oh my God, it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true where it's just like, it's so nice to like be planting a tree in someone's yard and then they come out and they're just like so excited uh, to be getting a new oak tree and they tell you like a whole story about like, oh, I just had to sadly cut down this old oak tree. It like was dangerous to my house or like was declining and was so sad about it. But now I get to get like a new tree or two new trees. Um, and yeah, that's when you know that that tree's gonna do well. Yeah, definitely. And I, I love how, you know, obviously the one of the biggest threats to, to Atlanta and many other cities is is this tree removal and, and there's a very big and obvious environmental impact, but there's also that humanist impact as well, right? And just like the excitement and the emotional mm-hmm. attachment that people have um, to these really wonderful, wonderful things. And That's having awesome. trees accessible around you, I don't think people really right. recognize how much it changes like your relationship with the place and how you feel being in a place. And I think having trees around just really makes it a better space to be in. There's a book that came out called The Journey of Trees, I think it's called, where someone says, like, a tree is a place, yeah. essentially. Mm. And um, it's especially after the past, like, three years, you know, like, having something like that that's, like, you know, on a much different time scale than your own can be really grounding. Mm-hmm. No, no pun right. intended. When I was growing up um, in South Georgia, there was a willow tree in my front yard. And that, what you just said, a tree is a place, is so, like, prevalent in my mind because I would always be playing in my front yard. And... You know, when I was a little kid, that willow tree was like the biggest thing ever. It was like a, it was like a home almost outside. Yeah. yeah, it's an amazing gift to be able to give to the to future residents, whether that's your own family or somebody else. And it also feels like an amazing gift that we can give to people. Um, the front yard tree program is pretty special. I think there's something like yeah. Trees Atlanta in a lot of major cities, but um, when you go to those conferences, you don't really hear as many people being able to use city funding on private property the way we do. So. It's really special. I guess looking towards the future, um, is there anything you're looking forward to incorporating into your work or into any upcoming projects? Um, this could be related to GIS, um, but just can be more general as well. Anything you're looking forward to? Always interested in seeing what more we can do with Survey123. Um, on the note, like 
every time we collect like new champion tree information or new love letters of trees, that's just a new GPS point. Mm-hmm. But I'd love to get you know farther along um, with my like technical skills to be able to record multiple um, logs on like a single point in our inventory, so that not only could we record every time a tree gets pruned, but we could also record you know every time like a neighbor reaches out about it, whether that's a good or a bad thing. I think that could be really interesting data and kind of give us a better clue about where we need to do like more like outreach and more maintenance things like that yeah I don't know something about what you were just saying just reminded me of like my previous experience to Trees Atlanta with ArcGIS products was very difficult (laughs) like I always thought it was like a hard program to use but like with the field maps app and survey one two three and also just I think it's also the fact that Trees Atlanta has like a really good database already in ARC, but um, it's just been like a lot easier to use and like extrapolate data like, um, yeah, and I'm excited to like use it more. Definitely. I know something that's kind of coming up that the field maps team is currently developing, and I think I can talk about this because they talked about it last week at a conference, so, (laughs) Um, but um, we have a new tasks capability. Um, that we're working on with field maps, which basically allows you to create a to-do list in the app. So I could see it being like, you know, if someone requests a tree, a new to-do list item comes up in field maps, you go to that tree point, it's like, okay, I'm going to start this item, it opens up the form, you finish it off, and then it, it, it shows up as complete on the map. So you can keep a track of like, where are the requests, which ones have been completed, which ones are in progress. Um, so something that is coming down the pipes um, as well that you might be interested in. That's very cool. We were yeah. just talking about how, I mean, full disclosure, we still like use Google Sheets all the time because yeah. there's just like a million Google Sheets floating around <laughs> yeah. as well because sometimes it's like easier to just make those little notes free form. Right. But that sounds like really, really helpful. Yeah, yeah definitely. So be on the lookout for it. Mm-hmm. Coming soon. Yes. <laughs> Um, so we talked a lot about Front Yard Tree Program, but there's many different programs that uh, Trees Atlanta offers for people. Um, can you talk about some of the ways people who are local to Atlanta could get involved um, in the organization? Volunteer with us. Like We have um, volunteer days almost every day of the week uh, with each of our departments, like our Urban Trees Department, Green Infrastructure, Beltline, and Forest Restoration. And then we also have projects on Saturdays. Um, where you can go into the forests, do forest restoration work, which is like invasive species removal, um, or planting projects, planting big trees, little trees. Um, There's also like pruning projects in the summer, um, and those are really cool because as part of that, you also learn how to prune a tree well, which is a skill you can take home and use on your own trees. It's a free pruning class, but also you're helping us too. Yeah. Um, I think... Yeah, our urban forest would be so much better if everybody knew how to prune. Yeah. <laughs> like, truly. <laughs> well, you heard it. If you're in Atlanta, volunteer with Trees Atlanta. Learn how to prune. Come prune with us, yes. please. Well, thank you all both so much again for inviting us into your space and being on the podcast and also just for the incredible work that you do yeah. for, you know, our city. You know, Maya and I definitely benefit from from the trees and, and just all these green spaces. Mm-hmm. So it's really awesome that the work y'all are doing and, and I hope people don't take it for granted because yeah. it's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, we'll link to all the resources that y'all mentioned in our show notes for the episode. And I think that's about it. And yeah. everyone tune in next time for Field Notes. Thanks again so much for, for being on. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Field Notes podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, 
Subscribe to Filled Notes on your favorite podcast streaming platform and make sure to join us on the next episode.